It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is August the 31st, 2018, the end of August, uh, fall rapidly approaching. Uh, I welcome you to the program. I thank you for joining me. I hope you've all had a great week. Uh, but now comes the inevitable game of catch up and trying to sort out the madness that has transpired uh, this uh, previous week. Um, again, those of you familiar with me know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, um, an agency uh, that was transformed into ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and CBP, Customs and Border Protection, and United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, the agency that adjudicates more than 6 million applications for various immigration benefits each and every year. Uh, and incredibly, it is ICE uh, and immigration law enforcement that has become the focus of the loony left. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm registered as a Democrat. Can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat. They've lost their minds. They've lost their moral compass. Uh, we should really call them what they are, seditionists and anarchists. Um, but goodness, at this day and age, it blows my mind to think that we have members of a of a party. You know, the Democratic Party isn't a fringe party, but they they're certainly acting as a fringe party, calling for the dismantling of an agency that stands between America and Americans, transnational gangs, drug trafficking organizations, terrorists, and by the way, this being Labor Day weekend coming up. Uh, protecting the jobs of American workers. And yet the Democratic Party, which used to be the party of working Americans, blue-collar Americans, union member Americans, is knifing every American worker and his or her family in the back. That's what this is about. If you dismantle immigration law enforcement, unlimited numbers of foreign workers would flood into our country take the jobs that Americans have, and by the sheer virtue of numbers, would drive wages through the floorboards. Of course, the Democrats want a minimum wage of $15 an hour. Um, but real, in reality, what they're hoping for is to create a standard wage of $15 an hour, and that, folks, is called communism. No distinction made by a worker's talents, education, skill level, doesn't matter. Let's give everybody $15 an hour. Let's give everyone $30,000 a year. 
And then, of course, uh, everyone's going to be looking for help from the government, and then they will come and offer to help you now that they've destroyed your job opportunities and your wages. It's kind of like having someone sitting in your boat. You discover a hole in the bottom of your boat, and the Democrats come along and say, great, let's drill some more holes in the bottom of your boat to let the water out. Now, it doesn't shock me that politicians resort to those tactics because, frankly, I don't trust politicians from either party. Most of them are in it for themselves. There's a few, a few that are doing what's right for America and Americans, but they are in the minority. That is the minority party in America today. Politicians who are really concerned about the country and concerned about Americans. Both parties are in it for themselves, in it for greed, in it for campaign contributions that are nothing more than thinly veiled bribes. Let's be frank about this conversation. But uh, the great majority of politicians don't care about America or Americans. And don't for a heartbeat think the Republicans are particularly better. They just put up fancier window dressing on an abandoned house. If you think they really want immigration law enforcement as a party, you've lost your minds. This is all a charade. They are run and controlled by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which, by the way, holds tremendous influence on the Democrats as well. There is no shortage of special interest groups feeding at this uh, trough, whether it's religious organizations uh, that have found people no longer going to services, so they want to import members to the congregations and their religious schools, whether it's companies that want cheap, exploitable labor, whether it's unions that know that Americans don't want to join because they're not helping them anymore, uh, so they import foreign workers or will help foreign workers even if they're here illegally, even if they displace American workers. They don't care. They just want people to pay the dues so they get money, and they want to sign them up so they can run around and talk about how many members they have, which gives them political leverage. Never mind that the members aren't American citizens. Never mind that the members shouldn't even be here. Nobody cares. Cheap labor, constituents, whatever you want to call it, that's what they're looking for, both parties. And so we're getting the short end of the stick. And so this program has been at it, I have been at it for years. Uh, I went on this quest to try to provide the information the mainstream media won't provide ever since the attacks of 9-11. What is incredible is that we are now coming up on the 17th anniversary of the terror attacks of 9-11. What does that mean? It means that kids that are getting out of high school right now have no idea what 9-11 was unless somebody told them. Um, 9-11 is as relevant to them as what happened during the First World War was relevant to me and my classmates when I went to school because it happened so many years earlier. 9-11 is barely a memory for these kids. Uh, anybody under the age of 17 wasn't even alive when 9-11 happened. And certainly you don't hear much about 9-11, except maybe on 9-11 there'll be the, the memorial service. Um, fortunately, last year, as I recall, they didn't have politicians speaking. What a relief that was. Isn't it sad, by the way? Uh, I remember when I went to school, it was a big deal when a member of Congress showed up or someone from the mayor's office showed up to speak. Now when there are commencement addresses or, or other such ceremonies, 
people say a little prayer. Please keep those sleazeball politicians away from this event. We don't want to hear from them. And that's dangerous. You know, um, my, 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 my uh, educational experience was kind of diverse. I, I went from uh, being an engineering student to a political science student. I ultimately got a degree in communications, arts, and sciences. And I remember in one of my political science classes, the professor saying, that when a government loses political legitimacy in the eyes of the governed, revolution and anarchy may follow. How many people really believe in our government today? How many people believe that our government could achieve any goal? When John F. Kennedy said we were going to go to the moon by the end of the decade, every American kind of looked at each other and said, sure, we're Americans, we can do anything. Now it seems like the only thing America knows how to do is screw things up thoroughly. Not the American people, the American politicians. The American people, given half a chance, could achieve true greatness. But it's difficult to attain greatness when Americans are being fired and replaced by foreign workers. And that's not a statement of xenophobia. I don't care where the foreign workers come from. I don't want them here if it means that Americans lose their jobs. See, we have to stop thinking of ourselves as Democrats and Republicans. We have to stop thinking of ourselves as Latino voters and Jewish voters and black voters and Christian voters. This identity politics, folks, is thinly veiled uh, divide-and-conquer strategy. We should think of ourselves as all being Americans. And the people who are our undoing are the people we elect to represent us, because they're not representing us. They're representing the bribers, the people that make the campaign contributions the people who could promise them blocks of votes. How in the world does anybody with a straight face talk about Latino voters as though they're different from all other Americans? If you believe Latinos who are American citizens are different from blacks and different from Jewish voters and Jewish citizens and Christian citizens, folks, that's called bigotry and racism. All Americans, and I don't care what your race, your religion, your ethnicity, I don't care what your political leaning is unless you're nuts. We all want the government to keep us safe. They want the military to keep our enemies as far from our shores as possible. They want law enforcement to keep the streets safe, get the drugs off the street, the criminals off the street, the drug peddlers off the street. We want the schools to educate our children, and we want to know that any American who's willing to study hard and work hard and maybe benefit just from a little bit good old-fashioned luck thrown in for good measure, irrespective of what I call superficial factors, race, religion, ethnicity, gender, doesn't matter. Any American can write the next great American success story. But that's not what we're hearing from the politicians. And we're hearing this nonsense that if America is going to lead, we need to import the world's best and brightest. We went to the moon, folks, over 40 years ago. We didn't have H-1B visas then. We didn't call up India and say, send us engineers because we're idiots. Um, The Manhattan Project built the world's first nuclear weapons. We didn't call for China to send us electronic components. It was all literally made in America and made by Americans. And somehow over time, the politicians, the liars that they are from both parties, have said, hey, you know what? We better bring in the world's best and brightest. Now, not so much the best and brightest, if they were being honest, 
the world's cheapest and easiest to exploit. And they call that compassion. Sure thing, folks. And if you believe that, then you would believe that the guy that puts cheese on a mousetrap is trying to feed hungry mice. This is purely about destroying wage structure so corporations can make more money. But this is only in the short term. I just saw a commercial. You may have seen it. Um, I don't recall the name of the app. There's an app for that, you know, a computer program. But now you can rent a car from a private person. When did you ever think that Americans would be renting out their own car to a stranger? I don't, lend, I don't even lend my car to somebody. Most people take pride in their cars. You know, the American dream to own your own home with a two-car garage and two cars in the garage? Well, we have fallen so abysmally. Our purchasing power has fallen through the floorboards to the point that now people are renting other people's cars. How far has this country fallen? How far has our, have our citizens fallen? How far have our expectations fallen. We have become convinced that poverty is the new normal. We've become convinced that it's reasonable to rent your car to a stranger. We've become convinced that Americans can't do anything without sending for help from overseas. We are a gullible bunch of Americans, I have got to tell you. We've really become gullible. Instead of having pride in our country and pride in the flag, you see this business with those football players kneeling. You know, I, I've got to tell you, and I'm a big proponent of the First Amendment, and if they want to make fools of themselves and clowns of themselves and they want to kneel, go for it. And Americans ought to be voting with their feet. Don't go to the game and don't turn it on. Make them irrelevant. What exactly are we protesting? You know, America doesn't do everything right. And when you look at the, the struggle for civil rights, the craziness of slavery, the craziness um, of segregation did happen, but not by the current generation of Americans. We learn the lessons of history. We learn the lessons of history. America tends to right itself when we do wrong things. We learn from our mistakes. My dad used to say to me, there's no mistakes in life, only lessons if we learn from what goes wrong. The trick is that we need to learn from what goes wrong, but we don't. Uh, I wrote an article a while back for the social contract and the fall edition, by the way, published, I, I believe it'll be out in October. Um, I gave them the idea that became the theme for the entire publication. It's going to be called sanctuary country. I'll have more to say about it as publication approaches. But the idea is, you know, we get upset about sanctuary cities. If you look how many ice agents we actually have, America by design is really a sanctuary country. The likelihood that an illegal alien is going to get discovered, arrested, and deported is probably smaller than the likelihood that that illegal alien could buy a winning lottery ticket. So when we hear about the Republicans who are strong on immigration law enforcement, individual politicians may well be. I know Donald Trump is trying. I know Jeff Sessions is on the right side of this. But the great majority of Republicans and their buddies over at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the Chamber of Horrors, they don't want immigration law enforcement. They're getting what they want. They've turned immigration not into law enforcement, but a delivery service. 
to them, the immigration system delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable foreign labor. Exploitation is not compassion. An unlimited number of foreign students. Last year, 152,000 Chinese students came to America to study the STEM curriculum, science, technology, engineering, and math. We're training their computer programmers so they can hack our computers more efficiently. We're giving these folks an education in in engineering that's second to none. Don't tell me we don't turn out engineers. We do. And then these Chinese kids can go and work for American companies where they commit espionage, intellectual property theft, and they're threatening us with their military that we've helped them to build. You know, the communists used to say the capitalists will sell you the rope with which you will hang them. Well, folks, we're having a fire sale on rope. The immigration system delivers an unlimited supply of foreign tourists. And for those of you who think that it's only the left, remember the visa waiver program was yet another brilliant idea brought to us by Ronald Reagan, who also gave us the first amnesty, didn't hire more immigration agents, and included a confidentiality provision in the amnesty. So as an immigration agent, I couldn't share amnesty files with any other law enforcement agency. Uh, Think about it. If some FBI agent could breathlessly come running into my office and said, Mike, we're, we're tracking this guy. He's got an atom bomb in the trunk of his car. Do you have his photograph? And if I went through his file and the only place that I had the photograph was in the amnesty file, I could have given it to the FBI agent, but then I would probably have wound up in front of a grand jury because thanks to Mr. Reagan's law, uh, that disclosure was a five-year felony, a criminal offense. Why? To encourage fraud? We were promised one million aliens would get involved, uh, almost four million. Now we're being sold DACA the same way with more lies and more nonsense, and the Republicans are saying we're going to fix DACA. Fix what? Fix what? DACA was illegal, and it's based on lies. It's a scam. But this is where we are. So we have the visa waiver program to placate the Chamber of Commerce so that we bring in an unlimited supply of foreign tourists. And... This is why DACA is being pushed by the Congress. It also brings in an unlimited supply of clients for immigration attorneys. And there are immigration attorneys on both sides of the aisle. There are immigration lawyers in city halls around the country and in state capitals around the country. DACA is a make-work program designed to satisfy an army of lawyers who've decided that instead of chasing ambulances, they will chase coyotes. Coyote is street slang for alien smuggler. Don't chase ambulances. Bring illegal aliens into your law firm and give them status. Give them immigration status. Never mind, we don't know who they are. Look at the killing of that young lady, Molly Tibbetts, in Iowa. The guy who is alleged to have killed her, and, and according to published reports, he admitted that he killed her. He supposedly blacked out in the middle of it. Sure thing. Found his bloodied body afterwards. Right. Yeah. And if you believe that story, have I got a bridge to sell you? The point is that that's how DACA would be run. With no interviews, no field investigations, no one's going to know when these people entered the United States. And, And the fake media keeps coming on every day. Oh, these young children, these babies, these young immigrants. The age cutoff, folks, is 37. 37. You don't hear that in the news. They keep focusing. They came as children. You don't know that. 
All they have to do is fill out an application where they say they came before their 16th birthday. And you know what? With no ability to interview them, let alone go out there and conduct a field investigation, how does an adjudications officer know if that alien who's 37 years old came to the United States 20 years ago or 20 days ago or 20 hours ago? And you know what the answer is? There is no way in hell of knowing the difference. I was an adjudications officer for a year. And if you can't speak to someone and you can't interview their neighbors and you can't speak to their employers because there's too many applications and not enough adjudications officers and not enough agents for ICE, who's going to know? And the answer is no one's going to know. And I'll tell you, it only takes about 15 or 20 minutes to approve an application. It could take days to deny one. If we do DACA, we could wind up easily with 10 million aliens. It started with 800,000, and President Trump said, oh, we'll take care of 1.8 million. Someone else said, well, there's 3.6 million. Go back to the Reagan amnesty. We were told about a million. We wind up with 3.6, 3.7, whatever the number was. We have no idea what these numbers are. Think about it. This guy Rivera, supposedly that's his name, supposedly citizen of Mexico, the um, guy charged with killing Molly Tibbetts, there's been multiple accounts of when he entered the United States. And this has been over a period of weeks now. ICE, ICE is investigating him. The police are investigating him. They don't know when he came here. And they've had days or perhaps a couple of weeks to take a hard look at him. An adjudications officer at USCIS will get 15 or 20 minutes to make a decision. Can't talk to anybody. No one's going to go out there and knock on doors. The guy claims he came in 20 years ago, claims he's 33 years old, whatever. You do the math. You go, oh, he came in when he was 13. He's good. And you give him his document. The 9-11 Commission, you must know, and by the way, I provided testimony to the commission. The 9-11 Commission said that immigration fraud and visa fraud were the key methods of entering the country for terrorists and the key method for them to embed themselves in communities, concealing their true identities and backgrounds. And you've got Republicans as well as Democrats in agreement. So where's the area of disagreement? Because, you know, we have to have a food fight. This is like the wrestling matches from when I was a kid. They smear ketchup on each other, and as a child I thought, oh, my God, they're, they're really killing each other. And then these guys went out, had dinner, you know, and laughed all the way to the bank when they got paid for this performance they put on, just like the politicians, tag team wrestling. So you've got the politicians saying, well, I'm a Republican, and I'm tough. Those DACA kids are not getting citizenship. And the Democrats turn to the Republicans, and they say, you're mean. We want to make them citizens. So that becomes the dividing line. Citizenship, no citizenship. Now, here's how stupid this whole argument is. First of all, if you give them lawful status, they get Social Security numbers, Social Security cards, they can open bank accounts, get jobs, move around the country, could very easily be doing so under false names, just like this guy Rivera who got a job under a fake name from what's been published in the papers. The terrorists tend to use multiple false identities. The 9-11 Commission found that the 19 hijackers in the aggregate used something on the order of 360 or 364, whatever the number was, fake names and identities or variations of fake names. So we're going to 
give people ID based on who they claim they are. They're undocumented, to use the nonsense language of, of the anarchists, this Orwellian BS. Undocumented means they don't have any paper that really is authentic and trustworthy to tell you who they are. So they're going to tell us who they are, and we're going to give them a document in the name they play pretend is theirs, even though their real name may be on every terror watch list in the world. And don't for a moment think that once you fingerprint somebody, automatically it comes up on the fingerprint record. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. It's hit or miss. And I want you to think of something else. Shortly after 9-11, and we heard this for years, and then all of a sudden they stopped saying it, because I guess the concern was the American people might get concerned. What do they tell us? To be successful, the terrorists only have to get it right once. For America to be safe, our people have to be right 100% of the time. Well, what does that mean? It's just a phrase. It's just this mantra that they've been chanting away. So let's look behind those fancy words. To get it right, the terrorists have to get it right once. What does getting it right once really mean? It could be something as simple as entering the United States. Legally or illegally, it doesn't matter. Many of the terrorists have entered the United States legally with visas, claiming political asylum. I'll tell you a story in a moment about a pair of refugees. We talked about them last week, I believe, but we need to revisit them. And the fact that an apparent Iranian terror cell was just dismantled by the FBI. Well, I can't say that dismantled. Two players were taken into custody, but it's not the whole cell because they were having clandestine meetings with others. So a cell wasn't taken down, but two um, agents of the Iranian government were just arrested. So the, the beat continues to go on. So when we talk about getting it right, what it really means is entering the United States. Once an alien enters the United States, legally or illegally, that alien may have an affiliation with a terrorist organization. We don't know. So everyone that enters provides the possibility, because what we don't know can hurt us. How many terrorists, you know, the old joke, how many idiots does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many terrorists does it take to create a mass casualty event? And the answer is a disproportionately tiny number. Look at what 19 hijackers did on 9-11. 19 young men racked up more casualties than did the entire Japanese fleet on December 7, 1941 at Pearl Harbor. 19 hijackers. And by the way, there was a recent study done that says that 10,000 victims of 9-11 suffering from cancer because they were exposed to the toxins when the World Trade Center collapsed are getting medical treatment. Some of them have died. Some are dying. 10,000 people on top of the 3,000 who died immediately. The number of people who died immediately on 9-11 eclipsed the number of people killed at Pearl Harbor. Now we add 10,000 more to that. Seriously, how many terrorists does it take to wreak havoc on America? The Tsarnaev brothers turned a quiet town up in Massachusetts into a war zone. Think of what the, the, the two dirtbags in San Bernardino did at that attack. Think about Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, by himself, put an SUV into the middle of Times Square, and only because of dumb luck um, that people didn't die. The bomb fizzled rather than exploded. One person. That's what terrorism is about. That's why some experts call it asymmetrical warfare. It's not one army going after another army. It's an individual 
or a small group of individuals who engage in urban guerrilla warfare, in a manner of speaking, blowing up airplanes, using cars as a murder weapon. Think about the eight people who were run down by a terrorist on the west side of Manhattan last year. All it took was a truck. You know, we, we go through this elaborate little ballet when we go to the airport. We get groped and photographed and x-rayed and prodded and poked. I mean, goodness, you're almost like going for an exam, aren't you? Maybe they should bring in some medical doctors while we're at it. And meanwhile, airplanes aren't the only way to create mass casualty situations. So we keep playing these little games. We keep playing these little games. And meanwhile, we're not safe, but the politicians want to distract you. They want to distract us because their goal is to flood America, as I said, because immigration is a delivery system. So when you look at how many foreign workers, legal and illegal, are working in the United States, when you look at how many tourists enter the United States, when you look at how many foreign students are studying in the United States, including students from countries uh, with which we have an adversarial relationship. And when you look at how many aliens are flooding into immigration lawyer offices, immigration is a very efficient system. It is a better delivery system than FedEx or UPS combined, which is exactly what it's supposed to be. This isn't a law enforcement system. You think it is. You hope it is. You want it to be. But our elected representatives, oh, no, they don't want it to be anything like that, not in the least. They know that most Americans, if they're rational, want the border secured and immigration laws enforced fairly but effectively. They don't want that. Now, how can I prove it to you? Well, if you look at immigration law enforcement as it should be, it's a continuum of what the military does. Remember what I said before, we want to be safe. We want to have our enemies kept as far from us as possible. That's what the five branches of the U.S. military do. How many Americans are in the military? Over a million enlisted men and women. Enlisted. That doesn't include the contractors who add another literal army to the army. So all these people securing America from America's enemies at a distance. Up close and in person, we have 6,000 ICE agents. Think about that. A million men and women, well over a million men and women in armed forces to protect America, but up close and in person, we have 6,000 ICE agents. It's the equivalent of having the Thanksgiving Day Parade protected by two cops. Usually an army of cops goes out there to protect the parade, to make sure the, the parade route is safe, the people don't get in the middle of it, and so forth. Imagine two cops trying to do the job. You'd have chaos. We have chaos in the immigration system. Not because we can't enforce the laws. The laws aren't tough. We need new laws. No, we don't. I mean, I, I would change this thing about um, family members coming here with, with green cards and so forth, and there's a solution for that also. You don't have to give out green cards. If a brother wants to visit his brother who just became an American, he gets a tourist visa and spends three months here and goes home. But nobody wants to talk about tourist visas because that's not what they want. They want everybody convinced that as soon as someone comes to America, it's only fair and reasonable to let him bring all of his brothers and all of his sisters and all of their spouses and all of their children. 
because the goal is a delivery system. As many foreign workers as possible, as many churchgoers as possible, as many foreign students as possible, as many tourists as possible, and of course as many clients for immigration lawyers as possible. So, of course, you're going to say they need to get green cards. Otherwise, they're not going to go to the lawyers. And how are those poor people going to make money? And by the way, comprehensive immigration reform, uh, I called it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. I was trying to give it a more honest name. Would have required the government paying the legal fees for the illegal aliens. And dopey Americans, I, you know, I speak at events all over the country, um, Dopey Americans, they say, well, why do you think they were paying the legal fees? They say, well, they're pandering to the illegal aliens. Why would you pander to the powerless? Are you kidding me? These people aren't stupid. They, they are because they're so greedy they can't see beyond tomorrow. They can't see that if you destroy America, waiting in the wings, uh, Iran, Russia, China, terrorist groups, <laughs> what could go wrong? So that way they're as dumb as a box of rocks. They're blinded by their own greed. But they're smart, and they know you don't power, you don't pander to the powerless. So why do you think comprehensive reform would have paid the legal fees? This is really a simple answer. Lawyers hate to work for free. And let's not forget that you have lawyers who are chairpeople of important committees in Washington. It's just that simple. And lawyers take care of lawyers, you know. It's like a school of sharks. And they make sure they get paid. Somebody once said to me that when you hire a lawyer, if you're lucky, you're the lawyer's third priority. And I said, what in the world are you talking about? And my friend said to me, look, it's like this. The lawyer's number one priority, above all else, is to get paid. His number two priority is to make sure the lawyer on the other side in a civil action gets paid. Why? Because these guys know each other. They're sharks swimming in the same tank. They're in it together. They ha you scratch my back, I scratch yours. So priority two is to make sure that the lawyer on the other side of the aisle, on the other side of the fence, gets his pay or her pay. If you're lucky, you're priority number three. So why in the world do you think comprehensive reform would have paid the, the wages of the, of the lawyers? Not to help the aliens. No one gives a crap about them. The aliens are expendable just like American citizens are expendable. People keep getting killed by people who shouldn't be here. And if you dare suggest that we need to do something about it, you get yelled at. You're terrible. You're a xenophobe. You're a racist. You're a bigot. You're this. You're that. And, and the list is endless of how terrible you are. They don't care about the dead bodies because, after all, it's the delivery system. And the delivery system, boy, oh, boy, neither rain nor snow nor sleet, you know, the whole thing about the post workers, postal workers, the same thing applies to, to the aliens. Nothing but nothing can impede the flood of cheap labor, tourists, students, and clients into the United States. This is a failure by design. Make no mistake about it. Failure by design design they should actually have that on the badges of the ice agents this is an agency that is designed from the ground up to fail failure by design and so when you look at it from that angle you realize what's happening 
You have DACA, which was illegal, and judges telling the president that it's unconstitutional to end DACA. It's not that he's failing to enforce law. It's not as though President Trump is saying, well, I'm not going to enforce a civil rights law. And, and some judge jumps up and says, what, are you kidding? That's unconstitutional. And the judge would be right. DACA isn't the law. It was a program created, I would argue, and others have successfully argued, illegally. But yet, if you, if you dare stop it, federal judges jump up and say, wait a minute, this is unconstitutional. What's unconstitutional? For a president to come into office from the opposite party and stop policies promulgated by the other party, particularly when the policies are illegal? Unconstitutional. How about Article 4, Section 4, that promises every state a Republican form of government and protection against invasion and domestic violence? How about Article 4, Section 4? Why don't we ever hear about Article 4, Section 4? Because the issue today, folks, is very simple. Keep the delivery system working. The judges are in on it. The left is in on it. The politicians on the right are in on it. George Soros is in on it. And the Koch brothers are in on it. Immigration is a delivery system. Don't you dare impede the delivery system. If people die, people die. And you have a a member of Congress from Arizona threatening ICE agents and basically sanctioning violence against people who are protecting us from criminals and terrorists and, and aliens who are taking the jobs of Americans. That makes them evil. Cuomo talking about how he's going to race lawyers to the scene anytime an ICE agent makes an arrest. He's going to have a task force of lawyers. And this woman that's running to be the, the new state's attorney general here in New York State said she wants to follow every ICE agent around and wait for them to violate some section of law and have them immediately arrested and incarcerated for doing their jobs. Kind of like what happened to Ramos and Compion by the Bush administration. Let's intimidate the ICE agents so that they stop doing their jobs. Let's not interfere with the delivery system. Let's make sure. And, and you know, George Bush, if you, if you read the testimony, and I've written about it for Front Page Magazine, John Hostetler, when, he, test, when, when um, he provided testimony, or prepared statement, rather, when I testified before the House Immigration Subcommittee some time ago, was very, very clear about the fact that George W. Bush, when he created the Department of Homeland Security, did so in a way that instead of emphasizing immigration law enforcement, made immigration law enforcement impossible. John Hostetler, who chaired the Immigration Subcommittee, is a Republican, a conservative Republican from Indiana. And he was dumbfounded. Lamar Smith was dumbfounded. Everybody was frustrated because the way that George W. Bush created DHS, he split the agency into multiple components and then folded in other agencies to de-emphasize immigration law enforcement and put people in charge of those components who had no immigration background experience or or, or desire to even enforce the laws. In fact, let let me read to you um, what he had to say. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of where where we should do this, but uh, let's just start with a little piece of it. And if you go to my articles, you, you can actually see this. 
the, the hearing, by the way, was conducted by the House Immigration Subcommittee. The title of the hearing was the dual missions of immigration enforcement agencies, and the hearing date was May the 5th, 2005. This is 13 years ago, and everybody was alarmed, startled, angry, frustrated that DHS was cobbled together in a way that stymied efforts to secure the borders and enforce the immigration laws. These are failures by design, folks. So this isn't an R versus D, Republican versus Democrat, blue versus red. Nonsense. Both parties are in on the gag. And when President Trump said he was going to secure the borders, these people freaked out. And he had his own money, so they couldn't threaten him with money. In Washington, the way they carry out a, a hit on a politician is they cut off campaign funding if you go the wrong way. Oh, you, you, you cross this guy and he's powerful. No money for you. Try to win the election with $100. Are you kidding? Well, Donald Trump comes along and he has billions. He says, you know what? I don't want your money. Those words terrified Washington more than you will ever know, folks, because that meant that Donald Trump could do what his own moral compass and conscience told him to do. Now, I've got to tell you, his use of words appalls me. Uh, I was a communications major. Uh, I was on the debating teams in high school and college. I planned to teach debate on the college level. I think debate is, is fundamental to democracy, the First Amendment. And, and, and the president's use of language and lack of nuance, I can go on forever. Uh, he mortifies me sometimes. But his goals are spot on. And they run contrary to both political parties. Therein lies the problem. Because you have a president that can't be reined in with the threat of cutting off his funds. He basically has a printing press. For, for all intents and purposes, and he can crank out as much money as he needs to accomplish the political goals. That means that the parties can't rein him in and coerce him and strangle him. So they can't do that, so what do they do? They look to indict everybody and anybody who has any sort of a relationship with Donald Trump. This nonsense about the Russian collusion is going nowhere. I mean, by now it, it seems pretty obvious. So they're going after people for tax evasion and for this and for that. What does this have to do with Russian collusion? Nothing. But they want to scare people away from having anything to do with the president. It's, you know, we're going, to, we're going to put him in the isolation booth. We're going to intimidate him. And we're going to hope that the American people are dumb enough that if we keep hammering him, people will think that he did something terrible. Well, he did do something terrible for the power elite. He did do something terrible to them because they don't see our borders as our first and last line of defense. They see our borders as an impediment to huge wealth, their wealth. They want to drive your wages through the floor. <clears throat> they want to fill those hotels and those baseball stadiums and all those other venues, and Donald Trump comes along and messes with them. And I wouldn't doubt that there are banks that are thrilled that we have drug trafficking in America because they get to move the money. Folks, banks are moving companies. If you are going to move, let's say, from Chicago to Los Angeles, <clears throat> and, and, and you say, okay, I, I have you know four rooms of furniture. You call up a moving company, and they say, well, how much furniture do you have, and where are you going, and how many miles, 
Is it a private house or an apartment house? Is there an elevator? And that's it. They don't care if you have French provincial furniture. They don't care if it's colonial. They don't care what it is. They just want to know how many pieces of furniture. Maybe if it's a piano, that's special, so that's a little more. But basically, they just move your furniture from point A to point B, and they get their money. Banks care how money was gained. They don't care if a surgeon flies to the United States and saves an infant's life and gets paid for it and then sends the money back to to his family, or if the money is the result of a drug deal, or if the money is the result of a woman working in a brothel, probably forced into it, coerced into it by human traffickers. They don't care. It's okay. It's okay. If we move the money and we're a bank, we get paid, and that's what they want there. Everyone's silent partner. And you've got municipalities saying, oh, great, let's legalize marijuana. Wow, how good is that? We're having a heroin epidemic of unparalleled proportion. People dropping like flies. And what do we do? Legalize pot, which is a gateway drug for heroin and cocaine. And look, I'm not going to tell you that everyone who uses pot is going to go on to the hard drugs. But I can tell you that having spent half of my 30-year career with the Drug Task Force and DEA Intelligence, that I never, ever met a heroin addict or a speed freak who didn't start with pot. So why in the world would you turn around and legalize marijuana and send a very dangerous and wrong message to young people that somehow it's okay, it's cool? Well, you can come to your own conclusions. I find it insane. I find it crazy because it's going to cost people their lives. But remember, folks, these bums see dead bodies as speed bumps to their goals. They don't care about the dead bodies. They'll step over them. And for the Chamber of Commerce, goodness, dead bodies are business for the funeral home industry. It's an industry, isn't it? As long as it's not dead bodies that they like. Some stranger dies, who cares? Let's just bring in the money and let us go on with the show. Nothing to see here, folks. Ignore the people dying. Ignore the lives that are lost and ruined. We have money to make, and don't you slow us down. Don't stop that delivery system. Full speed ahead. So John Hostetler comes along and does this hearing. And I was sitting there, and I was kind of startled by his candor. And he he said this. The Homeland Security Act, enacted in November 2002, split the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, or the INS, into two separate immigration service and enforcement agencies, both within the Department of Homeland Security. The split had been pursued by Chairman Sensenbrenner based on testimony and evidence that the dual missions of the INS had resulted in poor performance. There was a constant tug of war between providing good service to law-abiding aliens and enforcing the law against lawbreakers. The plain language of the Homeland Security Act, Title D, created a Bureau of Border Security and specifically transfers all immigration enforcement functions of the INS into it. Yet, when it came down to actually creating the two new agencies, the administration veered off course. That's the Bush administration, folks. Although the service functions of the INS were transferred to USCIS, the enforcement side of the INS was split in two, what is now Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, to handle interior enforcement, and Customs and Border Protection to guard our borders. And he goes on about that, 
And then he says this, at no time during the reorganization planning was it anticipated by the committee, that's the Judiciary Committee, that an immigration enforcement agency would share its role with other enforcement functions, such as enforcement of our customs laws. This simply results in the creation of dual or multiple missions that the Act sought to avoid in the first place. Failure to adhere to the statutory framework established by the Homeland Security Act has produced immigration enforcement incoherence that undermines the immigration enforcement mission central to DHS and undermines the security of our nation's borders and its citizens. George W. Bush did this. Why? He's a globalist. His brother Jeb Bush, if you remember, said that illegal immigration was an act of love. And I wrote a piece back then, and I said that Jeb was looking for love in all the wrong places. This is crazy. And he went on, that is to say, Chairman Hostetler went on and said this. It is not certain on what basis it was determined that Customs and Agriculture Enforcement should become part of the Immigration Enforcement Agency, except to require federal agents at the border to have more expertise and more functions. It is also unknown on what basis the federal air marshals should become part of this agency, especially since it's been revealed that the policy is not to apprehend out-of-immigration status aliens when discovered on flights. If the mission of the Department of Homeland Security is to protect the homeland, it cannot affect its mission by compromising or neglecting immigration enforcement for customs enforcement. Finally, this. The 9-11 terrorists all came to the United States without weapons or contraband. Added customs enforcement would not have stopped 9-11 from happening. What might have foiled al-Qaeda's plan was additional immigration focus, vetting, and enforcement. And so what is needed is recognition that, one, immigration is a very important national security issue that cannot take a backseat to customs or agriculture. Two, Immigration is a very complex issue, and immigration enforcement agencies need experts in immigration enforcement. And three, the leadership of our immigration agencies should be shielded, you're going to like this, folks, should be shielded from political pressures to act in a way which could compromise the nation's security. And then George W. Bush does all that. Failure by design. You have Cuomo threatening the agents, and this does something else too. People who might otherwise come to ICE agents with information aren't going to go because they have become the villains in the minds of the people. These heroic agents who are out there risking their lives to arrest murderers, terrorists, drug dealers, gang members are being portrayed as villains. That is how desperate, that is how desperate America's enemies are, and these enemies are our politicians. Why in the world would you want to impede the ability of America to find aliens who are here to commit crime, who have committed crimes, who are engaged in terrorism or drug trafficking? Um, In March of 2002, I was called upon to testify at a hearing by Sheila Jackson Lee, a liberal Democrat. I testified for Sheila twice because it was discovered to everyone's horror that two of the dead terrorists from the 9-11 hijacking, Mohammed Atta, the ringleader, and one of his cohorts, Marwan al-Shehi, 
had been granted authorization to attend school, flight school, six months after the attack. Folks, six months after the attacks, both of these pieces of trash were dead. The world knew they were terrorists. Yet the INS, and and this is why I don't like privatization, the computer company hired by immigration, the the people used to do the job themselves, so they give a multi-gazillion dollar contract to some computer company that sends out the notices to aliens who apply for benefits. Really? You mean that you need to send this by computer? You can't have them do what I did? A handwritten note you scratch out and you just check off the box, your application has been approved, here's your document, have a nice day, enjoy America? No. They've got to send this thing to Texas, I believe it was, and then they print it all up and they get gazillions of dollars. So they they drop the ball big time. So I testified at the hearing because they were trying to figure out what the hell happened. So there I was with Rudy Decker, the guy that was running the flight school in Florida, German citizen, by the way, he's here on a green card. You've got the guy from the computer company, and you had Ziegler, the commissioner. And nobody could understand how this could happen. And member of Congress after member of Congress said that any alien who comes into the country, they're not supposed to be here, we're going to track them down, find them, and get rid of them. We can't bear another attack. Okay. And now you've got Governor Cuomo from the state of New York jumping up and down, saying that these agents need to be arrested and prosecuted. The state's attorney, the candidate, wants to lock up ICE agents, follow them around, and wait for them to make an illegal turn, wait for them to do something that's a little bit off so they can put handcuffs on them. Really? Cynthia Nixon, we're going to eliminate ICE. We're going to get rid of them. We're going to open up the borders. How do you defend a country with open borders? I wonder if she sleeps with open doors. I wonder if Cuomo sleeps with open doors. Probably not. Probably not. And then, of course, I I wrote a while back, please go to Front Page Magazine, by the way, who's going to pay for the wall? Now, the wall by itself doesn't solve the problem. Absolutely not. But I've come to compare the wall on the border to a wing on an airplane. Without the wing, the airplane doesn't fly, but the wing by itself goes nowhere. The border wall is an element of a system. But, of course, they don't want the system to work. Why? Because it's a delivery system, not a law enforcement system. And it delivers by schedule everything they want and nothing that we want. Because we are speed bumps, just like dead bodies are speed bumps. So I wrote a piece where I compared the wall on the border to insulation in your house and a storm door. Insulation over time pays for itself. If you think about how much money you spend to warm your house in the wintertime, the last thing you want when it's frigid outside is for that warm air to escape. Well, think of the warm air as the money being wired out of the country. We could secure the border. We could prevent billions and billions of dollars from leaving the United States. We're probably losing over $100 billion or $200 billion a year. We don't even know. We know how much the remittances are, the money that's wired, but lots of money gets smuggled out of the country. If you go in to the poor neighborhoods where there's lots of illegal aliens, you'll see gold buying services. Why are they buying gold in those neighborhoods? Because it's easier to convert money to gold and smuggle the gold out of the country than to move lots of money. Money is bulky. That's why they stopped printing, the, the, the mint stopped printing um, you know, um, $1,000 bills. I think they were actually printing $10,000 bills at one point 
because you could take a few bills and, and, and move lots of money that way. So to prevent that from happening, they said, no more of this nonsense, $100 bills, that's it. Well, if you're going to move a million dollars in $100 bills, that's bulky. Or you convert it to gold. Or you buy diamonds. They're small, they're portable, they're easy to conceal. So we know the remittances are huge. Mexico got $3 billion in May alone. If you could put a dent in the money leaving the country, just like putting a dent in the hot air escaping in the wintertime from your house, the insulation pays for itself, the wall pays for itself. And look at the dividend you get. No drugs coming into America, or at least uh, stopping it from one point. I call this the immigration colander. There's lots of ways to get in, so you have to address all the vulnerabilities. You prevent the influx of drugs, possible weapons, criminal aliens, terrorists, competition for jobs, aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Everybody wins, except the globalists because this is a delivery system, and the wall would impede the delivery of the foreign workers, the foreign students, the foreign tourists, and the clients for lawyers. That's why everyone is screaming against Trump and why everyone's demanding DACA. DACA, folks, it's over. This could be 10 million people, maybe more. There's no stopping it once it starts. We've got to be clear. The guy that's running for Jersey senator against Menendez today ran an ad, or yesterday, I'm going to fix DACA. This guy's a Republican. Do you think that that's what we need? I don't think so. But it's what the Republicans in the Chamber of Commerce want. Not what we want, not what President Trump wants. But we've gotten to this point because as Americans, we have not stood our grounds We've not learned the lessons that history should have taught us, should have taught us. I want to read a quote to you before the end of my program. This was in in an article that I did a while back, looking back at 9-11 and where we were, and this was a couple of years ago. This is for the social contract. See if you can figure out who said it. When the situation was manageable, it was neglected. And now that it is thoroughly out of hand, we apply too late the remedies which then might have affected a cure. There's nothing new in the story. It's as old as the Sibylline books. It falls into that long, dismal catalog of the fruitlessness of experience and the confirmed unteachability of mankind. Want of foresight, unwillingness to act when action would be simple and effective, lack of clear thinking, confusion of counsel until the emergency comes, until self-preservation strikes its jarring gong, These are the features which constitute the endless repetition of history. That statement was made by Sir Winston Churchill when he addressed the House of Commons May 2nd, 1935, as he saw the clouds of war gathering on the horizon. Playwright George Bernard Shaw put it a little bit more succinctly. He simply said that we learn from history, that we learn nothing from history. The bottom line, folks, Only we as Americans can force the politicians to do what we want, but we need to be involved. We need to make it clear to them that we're not the fools that they hope that we are. And we need to do this because, as I always like to say, democracy is not a spectator sport. You must get involved. The elections are coming, and this election in particular will certainly have consequences, serious consequences. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And uh, 
I look forward to seeing you again next week at the same time right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. And if you like my show, please tell your friends about it, post my articles on Facebook or the other social medium, and please be part of my Bucket Brigade of Truth. See you next week, everybody. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.